Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hey, hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Greetings. I'm your host at the Visual Workplace, this weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate visual workplace principles and practices, the concepts, the tools, the methods, the strategies. We look at the people. We look at the results. This is a show about letting the workplace speak and therefore about work that makes sense. I'm really glad you tuned in. Thank you. In each of our shows, we look, as you know, if you've been listening in, at some aspect of the visual workplace. And broadly put, that is how to embed your operational system into the physical landscape of work through visual devices. Why? So you can reap the huge benefits of doing so and enjoy yourself at work. It doesn't matter what you make or how you make it. Visuality will help you and mightily make it more safely at your targeted quality or better, at your targeted cost or better. Happy you, happy me, <laughs> happy customers and plenty of them, happy employees, happy work. The fundamental function in any workplace in any workplace is the translation of information into exact behavior. The translation of information into humans behaving, performing exactly, or or the machine behaving, performing exactly, your suppliers. In a visual workplace, that translation is done through visual devices. The devices, these things themselves, hold the information that influences us, directs us, limits us, even compels us to perform a certain way, to behave a certain way. Visual devices ensure adherence to standards and they give you a platform for improving, for improving those standards and improving your system. That's what the technologies of the visual workplace are for. That's their purpose. doesn't matter if your hospital is a hospital. I beg your pardon. (laughs) It doesn't matter if your company is a hospital or a bank, an engineering office. It can be a retail outlet. It can be the corner restaurant or it can be a massive food manufacturer, a military depot an open pit mine, a dry cleaners, assembly plant. It doesn't matter. Work is being done. It can be even my office, my little office. We use visuality here as well. And we have pretty high level of complexity. We're kind of research and development improvement office, but we're also coaching and consulting. Visuality is a language. It is the language of your intelligence and mine. It is the language of our intelligence deeply embedded into the landscape of work physically through visual devices. 
Visuality structures in that intelligence, makes it physical, makes it tangible. Do you see? You see what this is? Just the way we get drivers to drive smarter, smarter by putting the rules of the road into the road itself. When to pass, when not to, how fast to drive, how slow. And if we happen not to see that sign that says, which is also a visual device, but not always that effective, that sign that says, slow down children playing, we notice the gap and we embed the message more powerfully into the roadway itself. How? Through, the, through a speed bump, physically, tangibly, through structure. Structure, structure, structure. Visuality is about structure. We're going to be seeing that today as well. Visuality in the workplace, just as in the roadways, helps us be smart. And these devices don't get there by accident. They don't get there by magic. They are intentional. I remember being given the directions once. It was uh, turn left where the chicken, uh, what was it called? The chicken little? No, the the. The white chicken. Turn left where the white chicken used to be. <laughs> well, they were using the white chicken as a visual device to help me get where I was going. <laughs> but it used to be there. Oh, boy. So today today is going to be a tutorial, another one in our series of teaching of lessons on levels of organizational visuality. In this case, we're going to be looking at the executive contribution, and I include in that managers and supervisors and executives, CEOs, COOs, plant managers, big heads of multi-corporate uh, organizations like Battenberg used to be the head of Delphi. Okay, so we're going to be focusing on that level and what is the contribution of that level of function of organization to the enterprise, to the excellence that we call operational excellence. What do leaders contribute? And I want to show you that in visuality, they contribute through a structure because if it doesn't have a structure, it just isn't visual. I don't mean you just can't see it. I mean it just doesn't exist. Hmm? So today's focus is visual leadership, visual devices that help executives, leaders, managers, supervisors deliver their message, convey their intent, and also retrieve and embed their need to know and their need to share through the structure of visual devices, visual solutions. This is, if you will, a kind of architecture of leadership. As I've mentioned before, I am currently writing a book on visual leadership. And honestly, I'm still in the research phase. What I mean by that is I'm still trying to find the language of um, how to express these because they're pretty subtle. And even though there are great leaders leading, what I want to do is unnest how it is they become leaders. I don't mean just that they're passionate. I mean that they're effective, that they can turn their passion into performance that is done, that is contributed by others, and they can lead the organization towards a horizon that is named and structured in the architecture of leadership, visual architecture of visual leadership, visual thinking. One of the reasons that visual solutions work so well, obvious though it may seem, is what I said before, they physically exist. They are the things, they are things, and they are the things that we rely on to draw our behavior from. Mm -hmm. 
through our senses. This is a tremendous advantage. The fact that visual solutions physically exist by definition and are not merely the spoken word or the written word or tribal knowledge is a tremendous advantage. It provides not only precise messages and therefore can trigger precise behavior, but it gives us a platform on which we can build, a physical platform. Kind of this year's crop of visual devices allow us to build a new crop with higher refinement and more precise behaviors. Okay, so actually we began talking about this in last week's show. This is a continuation, and I, I'm believing the conclusion of Doorway 4, the visual leadership doorway of visual metrics, visual problem solving, and these leadership tools I'm on to today. We didn't have enough time to cover them sufficiently. So I'm kind of going to pick up where we left off, but I'm also going to do a recap and amplify this so that it makes Good sense. But before we dig in, before we dig in, I have just a few announcements. First, hooray, hooray, you are emailing us. Thank you so much. We have received emails from you with comments and questions. And in fact, there are so many questions that we've decided to do a mailbag show next week, a show where we just respond to your questions. That'll be the show. I'm so happy about that because that's your voice coming into the show instead of me or some uh, big Mackie Mac master practitioner that I'm interviewing. This is your voice. And we, we do plan to continue with the tutorials, these lessons. And, you know, I'm going to be um, interviewing uh, some of the master practitioners and the authors, Mark Graben from Lean Hospital. He's been doing some really cool things in visual. I'll eventually interview the folks at Flinders in Australia and Nada Grunden, whose new book, Lean, Lead Hospital Design, came out just this month. It's fabulous. And Bob Williams from Strategic Work Systems and his legendary work on the visual machine. So we'll be doing that as well. Please keep your emails coming in and eventually we will morph over into a great call-in show where you tell your stories and ask your questions and we have a conversation. Maybe we'll just try to, we'll schedule a call-in show every other month and we'll have, you know, empty airtime. I'll tell you stories from my very colorful childhood in New Jersey. <laughs> To fill in the time until you call in. I don't know. I'm, I'm got to figure that one out. But I want to thank you for your emails and I want to encourage you to visit our website, visualworkplace.com for my books and DVDs and webinars, small screen that you can watch on your computer and big screens that you can use for training large groups. We're building a great library of those and they are easy to access at a fraction of the cost of having one of us come in. Also look for our calendar on the website, my calendar of public events. The next one will be at LEI in Rhode Island with Vibeco Vibrators as the tour site. I'm doing a public seminar. Thank you, Lean Institute, Lean Enterprise Institute, and Olga Flory. Thank you very much. After that, I'm in the UK the week of April the 23rd for two back-to-back public seminars and plant tours. That's two of each in one week. Oh, my goodness. And then uh, at the beginning of May, I'll be in Jacksonville with the Shingo Prize and then in the UK again and in June in San Antonio. So there are lots of opportunities for us to meet each other. Please drop in. And then there's our books. Really, really good place to start. You can get them on our website, visualworkplace.com or on Amazon. Okay? Thank you very much. So let's shift into the leadership tools. I have a lot to say about this and I want to be what they say, what they call cogent. 
I want to be able to uh, say some things with some precision and kind of build a case. So last week we spoke of the need for leaders to name and own their horizons and drive towards them relentlessly. This week I want to anchor that thought into how the tools of visual leadership will help leaders do just that. And I want to point out the traits of these tools and their elements so you can put what you learned to use in the near term. This is not a training session in how to use these tools, but I'm going to name elements so that you understand what are the pieces of very tangible leadership. Not just a passionate leader, but an effective leader. An effective leader who has time for himself for his own internal development while he is leading the organization forward. An effective leader who can bring his whole person and personality or her whole person and personality to the enterprise and to make a contribution and to do this very um, elemental task, indispensable task we call leading because if they don't lead, The organization cannot lead itself. You get soup, you get stew instead of a fine gourmet plate. Okay, so leadership is a craft. It must be learned unless it comes naturally. And most leaders who are good leaders aren't great leaders because they're missing pieces. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to say a few words about Napoleon (laughs) and Churchill and probably mention Russell Crowe. And we'll pick up uh, where we left off. Okay, please come back. It should be very interesting. That's my, that's my hope. See you in a minute. This is Gwendolyn. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Are you happy with the management and leadership style of your organization? Do you think it could use some improvement? 
No matter the level of leadership at your organization, you'll be sure to learn something new when you tune in to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Through a unique lecture and interview format, we'll bring you ideas, questions, and answers that will help you run any organization, whether for-profit or not. Listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790 that's toll free 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com now back to the program hi it's Gwendolyn again and welcome back to the show in this show we're talking about the tools of visual leadership and we were talking about how these tools put structure on the thing called leadership, which seems so arbitrary, so subjective. You know, you have a great leader if you're lucky. We want to disabuse you of that idea. We want to trade in that idea to leaders can be made. It does help to have passion, but if you don't have passion or enough passion to carry you through, use structure. And if you do have passion and you don't have structure, then what you have is just caviar, you know, caviar uh, 365 days a year and it's just too much. It's too rich. It doesn't really go anywhere and after a while you don't want anymore. So we're in what's called doorway number four, focusing on the role of the executive as leader, whether or not that's be a plant manager, a COO, a owner, a VP, regional manager. And that doorway is in place to provide the tools and the structure to help the executive become a leader of the enterprise. I also will include, quite happily, managers and supervisors because really your role needs to shift from managing or maintaining the organization to moving it forward in your own sphere. It's something that I've come to call Becoming a leader of improvement. How do we help our managers and supervisors become leaders of improvement? Well, I will tell you, they can't unless the executive leads. They can't. They will only be able to main, maintain a certain um, homeostasis if possible, if possible, or at least keep the organization from going over the brink. But they will not be able to drive towards a horizon if someone doesn't set it and lead. Okay, But I also want to say that the kinds of things we're talking about may indeed help you, whatever your position is in the company, become a self-leader, a leader of ourselves. Leading ourselves is always the first step to becoming a leader of others. So I hope you find this interesting. Let's talk about Napoleon. Napoleon, <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte was once asked the secret of his, of his success in campaigns and he responded, give me enough medals and I can win any battle. 
Now, you, I want you to think about that statement. I've been thinking about it for years. It's a crass statement, but one that reveals a considerable strength, a considerable insight. Napoleon brought considerable strengths to his time and his goal, and first amongst them was an unwavering sense of direction. Not that it was always correct, morally correct, or even strategically correct, but he was unwavering in the sense that this was the direction he wanted to go. Unwavering, he firmly believed he was unstoppable because he was right. And even when he was stopped, he saw it merely as a pause. And that is the mark of a leader, of a charismatic leader, if you wish, one that's full of passion, like I was saying before. The aura of unstoppability, unassailable confidence. Churchill was much the same way, Winston Churchill, a leader who found his stride very, very late in life and kept it through some of the most harrowing annals of modern history. World War II, Churchill, a man who faced his failure when he was 30 as a result of his own executive decision in the Dardanelles. It confused him, this failure, because he knew he was made for greatness. And yet he failed and many, many men and women died. And his political structure, his social structure did not allow him to forget it. He couldn't put it under the rug. It was a very public, it was a disastrous decision that resulted in the defeat in the Dardanelles. And if you want to get inside the head and the heart of this man, Churchill, one of the great statesmen and strategists and warriors and executives of the last century, read his memoirs of the Second World War. I'm into about 600 pages of the 750 pages of the abridged edition. And when I finish, I'll plow through the six original volumes, the unabridged work, and I can hardly wait. This is better than any soap opera, any documentary, any movie. It's better than Russell Crowe on his battleship or uh, in, uh, in Gladiator. It's unbelievable the detail and understanding and seeing this executive mind make its strategic decisions and seeing the sacrifice of the English people incalculable, staggering. At one point, Britain was alone in its defense against Hitler, utterly alone. Every ally had been taken over or was so far away, the United States, as to be not yet committed. And the slightest waver in Churchill's intent, because he was the head of the snake, would have meant the end of everything. They had terror They made mistakes, but they never wavered in their purpose. They never forgot what was at stake or what they needed to do. Why? Because Churchill, who was the steward of the knowledge and the steward of the vision and the horizon, kept telling them, kept reminding them, and kept giving them in a hundred ways every month specific behaviors that they could engage in so they could become active in this defense, in this march towards the horizon that is called winning. He structured in their commitment. He gave them a way to serve. He gave them a way to be a part of the greatness of that march. It was a saga and many, many, many lessons in that. And he did it with such such narrow, narrow laser focus, this wide horizon, and he always moved forward. I want to say, because I, w- I want this language to be part of our discussion, he moved down the causal chain. He kept putting in one cause and got an effect, then he'd put another, then he'd put in an array of causes and he would get an effect, he would get an outcome, he would get in a performance. 
his KPIs would be performing to, to, to par or above, and then he would structure in the next. He was always, always at the crest of that wave, always riding that wave. He led and others followed, and they were supremely successful. I mean, the, 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 the English people paid a terrible price, but they also became uh, a, a, a people that they had never had a chance to express before. They really rose to greatness. They never gave up because Churchill made sure they always had a way to continue. They had a way to demonstrate their commitment to add value. It wasn't up to the individuals. The individuals depended on their leader, in this case Churchill, to provide the structure and the infrastructure so that they could make the contribution hmm? to raise to the highest in them during a time of great challenge. It was called war then, and now it's called competitiveness or staying in business. This is very relevant, and I would say mission critical to today's leaders. So I want to describe how visuality is, may I say, tailor-made, tailor-made to the function of leadership. Critical, mission critical, to help you win your war on waste, your war, if I may say, against your competitor through the tools of executive function. I look at Churchill, I look at Napoleon, at Roosevelt, even like someone like Leonard Bernstein, who was an artist of the first order. I look at Russell Crowe in Gladiator, who captures that. Watch Russell Crowe in Gladiator, and you will get the executive function. Watch when he is active and when he is silent. Watch him carve and lead. And watch him put himself on the front line and withdraw, become, as it were, invisible very strategically. So when I, I'm trying to put this together into something coherent and useful to my own thinking and so that I can be useful to you. But when I look at the characteristics of a leader and these great leaders, including Battenberg from Delphi, whatever personal mistakes he made, he was an extraordinary leader of the Delphi plants and brought them up to a level of structure and infrastructure that they become, became unassailable. Otterleave has just purchased some of the Delphi plants. I don't know if they got the whole corporation. But they, whatever, whatever success Otterleave has, they are standing on the shoulders of a giant corporation already. Oh, boy, I could just talk to you for hours about those uh, Mexican plants. Fantastic. And the heart, the heart and the inc- incisiveness of their vision, of their horizon. Okay. So... So I want to say, I want to go back to this subject of structure. The, we see structure in the great teaching organizations of our times. Toyota is foremost amongst them because we're in the workplace and they had a model that they were developing. Ono and, and Shingo were developing in the 60s and 70s and we finally got a look at it in the in the 80s. They teach us through structure. They teach us by putting their thinking, their genius into form. And that in itself is, is, is its own form of genius. Everything in Toyota's operational system is moving towards a visual expression. That means a tangible expression. It actually resides in the physical landscape of work. Visuality hidden in plain sight. Visuality hidden in plain sight. 
Why? Because it makes it real. It makes it function. It's a thing. And we can build on things. So making your leadership through the two tools that I, three tools that I'm going to uh, talk to you about now, making it structural is so very important. And the th- three tools are the house, what I call the business systems improvement template. The second is some form of Hoshan or X-type matrix, some form of saying yes to the few and wait to the many. <laughs> leaders hate to do this. Executives hate to do Passionate, charismatic uh, leaders hate to do this. That was the problem with Napoleon going to Moscow. He should, he should have said no. I'm going to talk to you about a chart that one of his contemporary historians did that showed his march to Moscow. It was this great wide mass. And as they went to of the army, representing the army, and as, it, as this army moved through time towards Moscow, this mass became narrower and narrower and narrower until it was just a, a kind of wide band. And then it went to Moscow and the troops were defeated and they started coming back. Hundreds of thousands went, thousands returned. So interesting. He should have said no. He should have said no, but he had only himself. He had not groomed other leaders. So to be, it's not just to be a passionate leader and so-called unstoppable, but it's to be effective. And these tools make you effective. The third is the step-down version of the X-type and of the house. And we, I call it the operations roadmap. These are the three tools of a leader. And however much a leader may resist them, I know that their effectiveness is going to be curtailed if they don't put their thinking and their decision-making into form. So I'm going to name the five elements of this kind of leadership thinking when you, when we come back from the break. And... Um, and kind of build this into these structures. I hope that you find this useful. I am so grateful for the opportunity to discuss this with you because it helps me to, to try to make myself understood in this way. I, I think I'm on to something here. <laughs> this is Gwendolyn. I'll see you in a moment. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. 
To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's toll free one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now back to the program. Hey, hi, it's Gwendolyn. That was a long break for me because I'm anxious to kind of um, bring this back to uh, our discussion, and that is, what are the characteristics that are captured in those three tools? And there are five. Now, I'm going to put them out to you, but I won't be able to explain them fully. Some of you will get it right away, but the rest of you will get it by just thinking about it a little bit more and maybe listening back if I've done a good job. So the first is the horizon. The second is focus. The third is valence. The fourth is drive. And the fifth is pacing. Let me go back now. The first is horizon. Horizon. You have to name it and you have to own it. This is personal. You have to name the horizon for your organization because you want that horizon. You name it, you own it. This is you as a leader. The second is you have to focus and keep people focused the way Churchill did, making sure that they never lose sight of that horizon. Because I'm telling you, when terror grips your gut, and I've only had an experience of that a few times, once on a rock face when I was doing some rock climbing and I got terrorized. It was really hard to bring me back into just getting my arms and legs to move. So focus. It's not that way in companies, I don't think. But thinking about Churchill and his tremendous contribution, he kept people focused, making sure they never lost sight of the horizon that he had named. The third is valence. Giving the things of action a positive or negative charge so that we know what matters what we do that does matter, and what we do that doesn't matter. What is good, what is bad, valence. You can call it metrics, but if you do, you lose about 60% of what valence means. But just think about the whole idea of positive-negative. 
which way does it charge? The fourth drive, requiring of people, requiring that they join you in the race, requiring that they put their legs, both legs on the bus or that they jump off, that we are going to drive towards that horizon. I call that actually direction and thrust, vector force. And these five elements will give you that ability to drive in a direction and have thrust behind you. <laughs> Sounds very important, doesn't it? Thrust. Engineering term. Number five, pacing. Governing the consumption of resources. Time, money, hope, belief, will, material. Governing. Pacing. Improvement. The pace of your improvement. Governing the consumption of resources, finding a pace that is committed but not exhausting, the ability to accelerate and deaccelerate at will. Without those elements and the structure to hold them, leaders may want to change, may want to lead, but they won't be able to do it. Instead, they will turn off. They'll turn off to feedback. They'll be confused by challenges. They may withdraw. They may even get into the guilt game or the blame game or the overwork everybody game, or the greed game, or the greed game, which is really so destructive. These five traits or elements that I just named, for me, are the elements of the structure of leadership. Please note, I have not used the word power, or empowerment, or alignment, or culture, even though they're popular words. But for me, important though those words may be, they are actually outcomes on a structural level, they are outcomes of a structure, not the makers of a structure. They're important, but we have to get the causal chain lined up. The causal chain, that is a synergy of these five elements I just named. Then you get that thing that I'm so happy to talk to you about, vector force. A combination of direction plus thrust. But if you wanted to put it into a sentence, you would say this about leaders set the direction, they assign resources, and they hold steady to the course. They hold steady to the course. It's not that they're unstoppable. It's that they're unwavering. Leaders set the direction, assign resources, and hold steady to the course. Churchill did not attempt to create an aligned and empowered work culture when he faced the awesome likelihood that Hitler was going to land on his shores. He instead went on the attack with full intelligence, cunning, fierce, unrelenting determination to win. He knew and named his horizon. He wasn't ambivalent. I mean, Chamberlain was committed to appeasement. That was his horizon, but it was the wrong horizon for the times. And then he, and then Churchill implemented a strategy. On so many fronts, I mean, read that book. He was a giant among giants. A giant. I also want to recommend a book to you by uh, Rick Page. It's called Hope is Not a Strategy. I'm just going to read his little uh, assessment about what is strategy because strategy is going to be a very important part of this. And this is one of the pieces that you're going to name in the house. What is your strategy, your house of, you know, whatever your production system or your operational excellence system is, your house of, the one that you might have gotten uh, from corporate but I told you last week you've got to make that house your own so the book is called hope is not a strategy and what he says is strategy is leadership 
Hope is not a strategy. A system is not a strategy. The essence of strategy is allocating resources to the place and time, to the place and time that best exploits your competitor's weakness. The essence of strategy is allocating resources to the place and time that best exploits your competitor's weaknesses. It's a very good book. It's a thin book. I really love it. It's got a very strong single message. And that's going to be part of your leadership structure. Having a grasp on your market, your competition, a realistic understanding of your strengths and including what tools you have at your disposal and how they fit in your tactical your tactical requirements. I'm really describing now what the house is supposed to do. And if you're not using your house of operational system, you know, the modified house of Toyota in that way, then it's just a cookie cutter house. It's vanilla. You need Cherry Garcia. You have to name the horizon. And then you're going to use these visual structures to lead. Okay. Leaders are supposed to do that. They're supposed to formulate an effective operational strategy within the framework of their competitive requirements, and then they implement them. But today, I mean, for the most part, honestly, I see that leaders have to learn to do that. They have to learn how to formulate, and they have to learn how to implement. In the end, this is less work, hugely less work, for the leader who is now too deeply involved in the so-called leading of his organization. What I see is mishmash. You're not leading. You're, it's not exactly micromanaging. You're trying to help, but without structure. So you're kind of making it up on the way. Most of these, most great leaders are entrepreneurial in their bend. They really love the excitement of creativity, but we want to refocus their creativity on, on these leadership issues and not on the uh, tactical ones and then after you put these in place you have to learn how to sustain them and by the way sustaining them is the use of the uh, operations roadmap okay all we want is control we just want to have control over a corner of the world but the thing about leaders is that you have to help them define what is their corner what is their corner okay what do leaders do so we've said they name the horizon and the tool that I want to present to you for your contemplation to talk to you about again is to uh, look at the house. Developing a house of your own, connecting, making the connection between your customer and strategy, your customer and measures, your customer and tactical focuses, your customer and tools is the work of that house. And you have to create it or recreate it on your own so you know it inside and out. You know every rafter, every nail, every electrical uh, uh, system, sequence of, you know, the electrical wiring, the plumbing. You have to know this because you're going to teach it. But more importantly, you're going to lead it. This house. I call it the business systems improvement template because for me, unless you have a house that is known and owned and loved by you, you created it. It's your house in the country. You will not be able to use it for the strategic benefit of your company. You don't copy anyone else's house. You don't even take the one that corporate gave you without disassembling it. 
Cookie-cutter houses lead to cookie-cutter understanding, which is as good as no understanding whatsoever. You will not get a result from it. As I said last week, copying someone else's house is like counting. It'll get you out of bed, but it won't get you to the starting gate. You have to know intellectually. It's like being a scholar, how these things work. The connection, the tight connection between strategy, tactic, tools, and the customer. This is required of leadership. It's the, it's the first and very, very powerful step. Once that step is in place, you will then be able to move to a more structured uh, plan. And that plan will be able to exert, you'll be able to exert on that plan saying, wait to the many and yes to the few. This is the purpose of these structures so that you don't get overwhelmed by all possibilities, but you put. Pick that which is strategically important for your next step. You, have, you know, you're going to get feedback from any number of people who are going to make complaints about you, who are going to say flattering things about you as a leader, and you have to just say, oh, yes, thank you to everyone without buying the farm. You have to be extremely, oh, what's a good word, diligent and selective about what you bring into your company. You have to think about not only the change but what it will cost you and what is the pace of improvement and how will you drive it. Are you capable of doing it? And if you're not capable, if you don't have tools currently in place to drive some of these big changes, you have to wait until you learn those tools. This is the excitement about being a a leader is that you really, really are in charge and you got to get smart, really smart, strategically smart. Napoleon was smart, but honestly, I think Churchill was smarter. So we have a a break coming up and um, I know that some of this is not as concrete as if we were standing together and I could walk you through certain... um, physical paradigms of thinking but I'm hoping that you get the gap between if you are doing something now that's not working you might be able to really name why it's not working based on this conversation I hope so okay so I'll see you in a minute and we will put some finer points on this and then that'll be it for today hope you come back we're on visual leadership Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. We're on the last segment of Visual Leadership and of Doorway Number 4. We've been talking about the important structure of the house, what sometimes call the house of Toyota. And I've been talking about the importance of building this house of your own so you know how the parts work with each other and so that you can emphasize one area and also withdraw focus from another. It's called the plan. And the plan takes... Uh, place in the form of some kind of a piece of paper, eight and a half by 11 or an A3 or whatever. I don't mean A3 problem solving, but a larger piece of paper. And you now deploy through structure. I like the X-type matrix. The X-type matrix is linked to the house because when you understand the house, you can then decide how you're going to commit resources during the next year. And you are now giving what's important a valence. You have the horizon. You're keeping your focus. You're now going to give a plus and minus, And you're also going to devise the pacing. How much can we do? How much can we absorb? And still keep our production schedule, even if you're in a hospital. So you're starting with the X-type. And you can find the X-type on Google. Just look up X-type. Or you can look at that fine book that my sensei wrote in the 1970s called Organizational Fitness. It's by Fukuda, F-U-K-U-D-A. You'll look at Fukuda and on, here it is, Building Organizational Fitness. Building Organizational Fitness. A very nice X-type matrix book. Not the same as the one I'm going to write, but I'm standing on his shoulders in whatever I say. This mechanism is developed exclusively by the ranking side executive. It is not developed by committee. A lot of people are doing X-type by committee, but I think that's skipping a step. The first important step is for the senior ranking side executive, the corporate giant, to work through this on his or her own. Otherwise, the horizon, the matrix loses its juice, its relevancy, it is if it's done by and then the next step, it's stepped down to the VPs and then you can kind of start working on a consensus model. But first, you need to know what makes your heart sing. First, you need to know what that structure means to you, where you're going to point the horizon. And you don't negotiate yourself out of that. You hold on to it. That's your job. 
you're in charge and you better stay in charge because if you're not, the committee can't be. Okay, it's a demanding form. You do it first. It can take one or two months to develop that the first time. And then you teach it to your direct reports, and they develop their own step down of the Hoshin. They're in purchasing, they're in engineering, or there's some division. Okay, after the first year, the process picks up considerable speed. But I only take X-type to two levels. You know, if you've got plants, then we'll do an X-type on the plant level as well plant manager and his direct report so we'll have that step down but if we're looking at a geographical location the x type is there so you get clarity on a strategic level on an executive level what is the horizon how are we going to drive there how do we know we're getting there what will we get as a result of getting there what kinds of tools pertain who are the people who will be deployed for each of the major initiatives that does not go to the shop floor what goes to operations is the roadmap. It's a very friendly translation of your X-type. That's the way I like to do it. The operations roadmap, it has your values there. It has the corporate focus, but it also has the piece of the pie that belongs to this department. It's very friendly. At Nautobaum Trailers, I love their, their um, operations roadmap. They worked on it. We worked on it. Empowerment and accountability and the way that they talked about quality, which was the way that the whole workforce learned to talk about it, was we build reliability in. We build reliability in. The way they did it at Scania in Zwolle, Holland, was right from me. When it comes from me, it'll be right. Right from me is the way that they talked about their quality. So you can personalize it. You make it beautiful. So compelling natural leaders are rare in any field in any business and industry where a flood of priorities compete for resources and attention and the three leadership tools that I introduced you to today or put a little bit more meat on the bones are powerful frameworks that allow executives to say with confidence yes to the few and wait to the many. That is the horizon. So they can deploy that horizon, drive towards that horizon that they've carved with confidence and savvy and without sacrificing the future that lies beyond that horizon, the big horizon. Company leadership is responsible for the corporate intent, finding and focusing targets for strategic growth and tactical improvement, driving those improvements through metric-based problem-solving and turning results into operational best practices. Visuality is... In my estimation, the premier methodology set of tools to provide that, to provide us with a wide range of concepts and tools that allow us to focus, to focus, to drive, to find the pace, to give it a, va- a value, what, which I'm calling a valence. The, these are the tools of visual leadership help executives and managers and supervisors develop a fresh understanding of what their work is, what their contribution is through the use of this language of visuality. So I'm very excited about this. This is the kind of the end of the description of Doorway 4. It's a very important doorway. It's the doorway of executive leadership. And it holds many lessons, but I'll tell you, without that doorway... 
no matter how capable you are and how fast you are and how quality-based you are, least cost means you're going to stay in business, but you're not really going to go anywhere and you're not going to become competitively advantaged. Please think about these things. Send your emails if you wish. Call in. Today is the a pre-record show. I apologize for that. That's my travel schedule, but the traveling is happening because lots of people are pulling us into conversations and work about visuality. Honestly, for the last for the three months of this year, I've I have been on the road doing good work, I think, more than I have for the first nine months of last year. So there's some kind of little tipping point that has happened where visuality is seen as a great partner in the uh, journey to operational excellence, a great partner in your lean conversion, a great partner in achieving operational excellence. I'm very, very pleased at that. You can find us on our website, visualworkplace.com. I want to thank my executive, our executive producer, Sandra Rogers from Voice America Radio, business radio. I want to thank you very much, Voice America, for the opportunity to get this message out, which I think can help many companies through the vehicle of your wonderful um, uh, internet radio, um, could I call it, network. And I look forward to talking to you again. I'm not exactly sure where, where we're going to go next in the show. I need to think about it. I just got home last night. And uh, there are many, many, many things we want to do, but in what order, right? We're naming the horizon, and now we have to say yes to the few and wait to the many. We have lots of things to share with you. I look forward to the next time. Thank you very much. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am signing off. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.